0: Hi, welcome to this Grandma's Life podcast. I'm your host, Theseia Ellis. Get ready to laugh, learn, and grow with me as we explore growing old in an ever-changing world. Today is November 15, 2023, and this is episode 50. This episode is one of the special editions. Uh, this is part of the series of the, this, the next Great Depression, and this particular one is, is uh, named How Much Do You Really Eat? And I want, before I even get started on this, I want you to understand that I probably to have left things off, that you will think of some things on your own. I never want you to think anything in these series as fear-mongering of any sort. I just want you to have information so that you can make your own decisions on what's best for you and for your family. And uh, so, uh, like I said, this is part of the Are You Ready for the Next Great Depression series. Um, this will go on my my uh, This Grandma's Life YouTube channel. This will also go on the Grandma's Homestead YouTube channel. I'm going to do some more editing on it before I put it on that along with this recorded podcast. Uh, with each segment, I will also include small bits of history of the Great Depression of the 30s. Since this one is about food, I did a little research on how difficult it was for people to find food, both in the cities and in rural areas like Oklahoma, that was hit hard with a dust bowl. I found a timeline that I will share with you. <coughs> Excuse me. In 1930 to 33, there were, were the bread lines and soup lines too. But in 1931, they had food riots in the cities and... Uh, in 1931, 95 people in New York City reported to have starved to death. And I will go into that a little bit more in a moment. Uh, in 1939, they came up with a food stamp plan. Uh, conversely, though, in 1930, General Mills introduces uh, bird's-eyed frosted, fruits, fr- frosted foods. And this is because uh, a lot of people didn't have uh, freezers and refrigerators back in the 30s, but uh, they had ice boxes, essentially. Uh, so this is like pre-frozen food era. The Toll House cookie recipe was developed. Twinkies were created in in 1930. In 1931, (coughs) excuse me, General Mills develops Bixquick. In 1932, Elmer Doolin creates Fritos. In 1933, J.L. Rosefield produces Skippy Peanut Butter. In 1934, Nabisco introduces the Ritz Ritz Cracker. I don't know what's going on with my stuff today. In 1937, Mac, uh, Kraft macaroni and cheese uh, was uh, introduced, and so was Hormel. Uh, well, so Hormel produces introduces Spam. Um, what An interesting show that you might uh, watch. I don't watch television much, but I have watched a couple of episodes of this. I think it's on the History Channel. It's uh, called The Food That Built America, and it has covered a lot of the things that were developed during the Great Depression. So I thought that was pretty interesting okay so food prices dropped dramatically during the great depression and i was curious why you know was that because right now we're thinking right now we're facing very high prices of food and everything being much more expensive than even what they're telling you on television and uh, so then i'm thinking well why were people starving if the food if the prices had dramatically dropped well for one thing a lot of people had lost all their their they weren't able to buy it anyway uh because they had all lost the jobs and there was no money to be had but the reason the prices had had, uh, had dropped so dramatically was that during World War One, the government vigorously encouraged farmers to expand their crops and livestock production to feed the army and the U.S. allies in Europe. So after the war, there was the the demand decreased, but the farmers continued to produce. So now there's too much surplus and uh, no one to eat it, and no one with any money to buy it, and the prices plummeted. The farmers could not make a profit on their crops, so therefore they couldn't pay their mortgages and other bills. And combine that with a great dust bowl where their crops, a lot of crops after that even failed. Uh, And that was from farming practices, essentially. Many farmers abandoned their farms, and many of those farmers moved to California. Those that stayed, though, Ate odd things for nourishment, and it really was weird to me. Like canned tumbleweeds, and i some most of you guys don't even know what a tumbleweed is. But if you go in West Texas and and uh, Arizona and all those places, they're there weeds that blow across the field or across the highway as you're uh, driving down the road. And they took portions of them and actually canned them to eat them. Popcorn with milk, a type of cereal, is what they made it. Carrot marmalade, so they couldn't get fruits and stuff, they uh, made marmalade out of them dandelion salad now some of you guys uh, even to this day eat dandelion salad uh jackrabbit they would kill and kill and eat jackrabbit now when they found berries and other fruits they pickled them to save them for the winter too um cornmeal mush and bean soup were a, main, a pretty main staple though and so um it sounded to me like people have food even if it was not conventional food that we would eat so i was wondering how many people actually died of starvation And uh, I was not exactly able to find hard numbers on that uh, from from the Great Depression. But even though there were cases of starvation, like was indicated in New York in 1931, I discovered that more people actually suffered from malnourishment. And malnourishment means that there was, because of their strange diet, they were not getting different nutrients that they needed so like with a diet lacking in red meat poultry fish and brown rice and more on foods like cornmeal mush many people developed a kitchen a condition called pellagra and uh, pellagra is a, a systemic disease that's called by the def- caused by the deficiency of iron excuse me niacin symptoms included sensitivity to the sun diarrhea dementia And even possible death these food strangeness the shortages of stuff reminded me of a story that jack spearco has spoken of a few times on his uh podcast the survival podcast and uh he talks about when he was a kid he had found some rat traps in the shed that had holes drilled into them and when Jack had asked his, his grandfather the reason for the holes, he was told that the rat traps were screwed to keep, keep two trees to catch squirrels. And he asked, well, did it work? He goes, yes, for about two years until the squirrels were gone. And I have to admit, that story has always stuck with me. You know, there are things that we can do for a while, but then after that's gone, what do you do? And that's a significant reason on why I chose to become a hostetter. As a mother and grandmother, food for my family has always been of utmost importance to me. When I was a single mother, I often tried to plan ahead and make sure that the money and or food lasted until the next payday. And uh, so um, there were times when this didn't happen. Now, my boys never missed a meal, but there were times when I did. So let's think about how you plan for the prospect of another great depression food-wise okay so you could buy all the freeze-dried foods that last for 25 years and store all the canned food you can need or start growing your own food which i recommend. actually honestly i recommend a combination of all three okay so but i start with the pallets of freeze-dried food how much would you need how many people will you be feeding how many calories would you need for each person Is the recommended number of calories enough to sustain you in stressful situations? Now, let's consider canned food. How long will they last? How much do you need? Still, how much do you need? How will you replenish this this particular food when it's finally consumed or expires? Let's start with determining the amount of food that you need to consider stocking up on. Another thing that Jack Sparrow had said on on his survival podcast was um, he has a method he teaches to determine how much food you and your family eats. that every time someone eats something, write it down on an ordinary paper tablet. Uh, if something is eaten again, put a tally mark next to it. Have your family members do the same thing. Do this for a determined amount of time—a week, two weeks, or a month. Calculate what was eaten and how much of it do uh, to how much of it to determine your family's food needs. <laughs> I believe that's a good idea, but as a mother and grandmother, I can assure you that there will be at least one family member that will not keep accurate records of what they've eaten, and your calculations will be way off. And at the same time, um, how much how much salt do, uh, are you and other spices and sauces and all that other stuff? Now I understand if things get really dire, some of that stuff you're not going you're not going to be concerned about, especially sauces and stuff. But you know, salt, pepper. And uh, some spices and herbs, you you want to know how much you're going to need to have on hand. Um, so uh, then, uh, I just don't think that that would be an accurate way, and uh, especially when you have to do, uh, to rely on someone else keeping the records that you want to know about. I, I, you just know your calculations are way off, way off. So another way to determine your family's food needs is to look into your grocery at your lo- grocery list each week. In an era of ordering groceries and other items online, it's easier to determine your family's eating needs. Add in the food, the working parent that eats out every day to this compilation. Not necessarily that they eat fries with their cheeseburger and large soda, but at least indicate the type of meal eaten. Basically, what you're trying to do is determine what what it is that your family eats and how many specific, can be specific calories. Some people count calories. I do not. I just want to know what it is that I need to know, have uh, on hand. And so now that you have a vague idea of what your family consumes each week let's say take that information and calculate the amount of food you would want to have on hand for a longer period of time such as, such as a year so now with this information you can say this is how much food I go through in one year myself and my family um, you can you can ex- you know if you only have only want have 3 months worth of food on hand that's how you calculate it. you know you can expand this to however many years that you want to deal with uh, but now you have a better idea of how much food it will actually take to get your family through the period of time you want to be stocking up on food for, whether it's for a month or a year or three years. I believe that you'll find this amount of food, even just for a month, to be a little daunting. How in the world will you be able to store enough food for your family if needed? This is probably where people lean into the idea of pallets of freeze-dried meals. That's great if you have the money to spend on it. In fact, if you live in a large city, this might be the route to take. Um, at least a few weeks worth anyway i'm not trying to say that there will be no food available but you must consider that many things will not now now this is the time to determine the possibilities available these episodes are not to scare you they are to make you aware we have lived in an era of plenty and have become blind to the possibilities of lack the shortages of the of 2020 should have opened our eyes I fear this only made people wish for things to go back the way they are, without the way they were, without any plans of preparation in case it ever happened again. I encourage you to take the expertise of determining how, excuse me, the exercise of determining how much food your family needs, just so you can have a ballpark figure for you to have something to think think on do that exercise see you know four week for two weeks whatever it is that you and decide how much how much food your family goes through and uh that give, at least gives you a little bit of ballpark uh idea you can use jack Sparrow's method you could use mine or you can come up with your own version i you know it's, it's up to you even a vague number will give you starting tools to secure the the nutritional needs of your family in my next episode in this series, we will cover the topic of prepping versus homesteading. And uh, so the, that this is pretty much all I have for this one is I want you to start thinking about how much food does your family eat? And uh, I guess another thing I want you to think about, too, is cook at home more. One, one way or another, because of if if we go into a Great Depression, restaurants are not necessarily going to be open. You're not going to have access to a lot of things you do. But if you do not know how to cook, even the basics for your family, your family is going to suffer even more. And you will find that the, the food that you cook at home, once you learn how to boil water, you know, whatever, once you learn a little bit and learn to follow. And OK, so let's say you don't know how to cook. Get a recipe books follow the recipe books to the best of your ability now while you have the food and the reason i say that is because okay some people say well the recipe calls for uh, parsley and i don't have parsley i'm not saying to the letter but i'm asking what i'm telling you to do is read the recipes um follow them to the best of your ability with with the measurements as they say don't veer off of it too much until you actually learn what you're doing with food and you won't end up with incredible messes okay so learn to cook you'll find that the food that you cook at home once you learn how to is going to be far better than anything you get at restaurants and and uh, other places and i think you'll find yourself much more pleased with with the effort you put into it and if if it gets down to what you uh where you have to do this at least you'll be prepared in that part of it too okay so um my income producing activity of the day is stream yard i would encourage each and every one of you to consider starting a podcast you whatever it is that you're interested in whatever that you like to talk about whatever it is that, that makes you smile and want to talk about it uh, start a podcast and go through StreamYard. use my link below and uh, uh get some discounts it doesn't cost you any more but uh it does help help me a little bit with with the production of this and uh like i said this is a different um episode uh i this like but it is episode 50 so that means i been kind of keeping at it maybe not on a regular basis because i get i mean i work on things regularly but they don't get produced regularly let me put it that way so uh but i'm enjoying doing podcasts i've actually started another one it hasn't hit itunes stitcher yet but uh, i'm doing i'm still enjoying doing the podcast so therefore i use Streamyard, and i really like them um, I would appreciate if you give me a five star review, a five star review, and maybe one of these days I'll learn how to talk so that you can, so you can give me a five star review, but, uh, but at least make some sort of comment that way I can be found by other people who listen to podcasts and, and to help me out there too. So where I can be found is on grandma's homestead. I post on it pretty regularly too, about once a week or so I do a, a farm update and i have i have some recipes on there things that i that i have made and make regularly at home too and uh and there are other things i'm hoping to expand on too with it uh pretty soon too but that's grandma's homestead.farm and i'd appreciate that would be cool if you could check out my website there um my youtube channel grandma's homestead farm animal life is another youtube channel i just started another youtube channel and i'm not sure most of you will be interested in this one this is called Kinsey lackey sports i and uh, taking snippets of uh, what my granddaughter does in sports. And I'm and making videos of them and putting them on that channel. So I can be found on Instagram is Thesia Ellis. TikTok is, or so okay, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, MeWe, Twitter, and Rumble. And under some version of Thesia Ellis. And that's T-H-E-C-I-A-L-S-E-L-L-I-S. And you can find me there. So. That's all I got for you today on this particular episode. It's a little bit short. It was kind of funny because by the time I did all the research and actually get it typed out and stuff, it took me a few days to even do that much. And then all of a sudden it it narrows down to under 20 minutes. Oh, well, I gave you some information. Do the exercises, do what you can and uh, determine what you need for your family's needs. And uh, the next time we will talk about whether about the pros and cons of prepping and or homesteading. All right, guys. God bless. I'll see you next time.